On this DMV Sports Roundtable, the Redskins make some news this Super Bowl week. We'll check in with Tarek El-Bashir of The Athletic. Dimitri Soda is here with two-thirds of our team. Jamal Bowens, the security guard who roots passionately for all the local teams and who has an encyclopedic knowledge of sports. And our Skins beat reporter, George Wallace. Our gambling expert, Chris Chion, out of town doing what else but placing bets on the Super Bowl. We'll catch up with him next week. Tarek El-Bashir of The Athletic, our special guest. We actually had quite a bit of Skins news during this Super Bowl week. You had the team saying they're not counting on Alex Smith to be ready. And then, of course, Rob Ryan reaching out to the Skins to get his new job as inside linebackers coach. And maybe you have some stuff to add. What did you think the number one story was? I think, without a doubt, it was the report, which has sort of been refuted to a certain extent uh, regarding Alex Smith. I mean, as soon as he went out last year, the entire uh, team and even organization, to a certain extent, kind of cratered at that moment. Uh, That's how much Alex Smith means to that team. And although... you know, the report that came out and, you know, it's kind of been, uh, you know, kind of walked back a little bit by the Redskins. You know, anyone who's got any sense, you know, when they saw him walking around um, Capital One Arena at that Wizards game a few weeks back with the external fixator on his right leg, uh, you don't have to be a medical professional to realize that he's a long, 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 long way from being able to play in an NFL game. If he does miss the 2019 season, like I'm hearing, uh, is the expectation that just puts into play a, a number of scenarios and um, things that the, the Redskins are going to have to deal with here. Do uh, you remember back in 2012-13 when the, the team was dealing with that salary cap penalty that was imposed by the NFL? $36 million split over those two years, so $18 million each year. When the CBA was expired, they had front-loaded some contracts in 2010, and that was punishment from the league. And we always remember how much Mike Shanahan brought that up almost every press conference, how much that hurt the team. And bringing it back to Alex Smith, keeping his salary on the books, which is how it looks like it's going to be right now, $20, $20 million, almost yeah. $21 million. I mean, that's tantamount to a cap penalty. I mean, that's five or six or seven starters that you can't go out and get in free agency. And, you know, you're always concerned about the player and, and his health, and is he going to be able to walk with a limp, and is he going to be okay health-wise? But you, you think about the impact that Smith's injury um, is going to have on this franchise for at least the next couple of years. That's got to be the biggest story. I mean, it, it, it was the biggest story that when it happened, it still is the biggest story because it's going to shape everything about how the Redskins handle their business here over the next few months, heading into the draft and heading into free agency. Definitely the biggest story, and that's all everybody was talking about. You hear Josh Norman yesterday saying this team was going to win the Super Bowl if Alex Smith didn't get hurt. Mm-hmm. And now you've got uh, Bruce Allen saying last week at the Senior Bowl, too, I know you were there, that, they were, that they're close to the playoffs. If Alex doesn't go down, and that's fine. That's why you bring everybody back because you're that close. But you also have to know you're that close before Alex went down. But you have to think you're not going to have Alex. I mean, he's not. They're not. They're not thinking that. You know, I heard him say that that report didn't come from the Redskins. That's fine. But he's not really thinking that this guy's going to be ready to play football. He's not. I, I mean, I think that general managers, coaches, they like to play their cards close to the vest. They yeah. don't like to tip their hand to their competitors. I mean, it's a very, very, you know, it's a doggy world in, in, in the, the, the pro sports landscape. And they, they don't want to let anyone kind of maybe have a feel for what they're planning to do here. Um, you know, just think, you know, you're going to the draft, you never want the team in front of you or behind you to know what position you may or may not be targeting. 
but let's be honest. If you're paying attention, you know the Redskins are going to be targeting a quarterback <laughs> with the 15th pick. Um, I mean, that is simply what they're going to have to do. It's unfortunate what happened with with Alex Smith. And, and, you know, we were sitting there, George, in the press box, and that injury happened, and we were like, oh, man, that's terrible. I don't think anyone realized that night the extent to which yeah. Smith's injury was going to change the trajectory of this franchise, franchise for a couple yeah. of years. You're right. I mean, it, it's, it's that big of a deal. And um, what you're going to see here, and you know, this is me kind of speculating uh, uh, you know, out a couple of years, is the Redskins are going to draft a quarterback um, probably in the first round. That quarterback is going to fight for a starting job and is going to eventually get the starting job, at, I would say, at some point in 2019 or um, heading into 2020. And then whether or not Smith is able to return you're not going to go backwards. Right. You now have your young 23-year-old who's your you know, drafted starting quarterback. You're not going to go back to Alex Smith. Best-case scenario is Alex now becomes the backup, which which would not be a bad situation. Uh, you know, I've talked to uh, Trent Dilfer and other people around the league, and they say that if you want a young player to learn how to play the position, put him in a room with Alex Smith every single day. So that could actually be good. But you're not going to go backwards. I mean, I would say, you know, as we speak right now, I mean, Alex Smith isn't going to start another game for the Redskins. And one can speculate, and we're not doctors here, Tark, but do you foresee Alex Smith ever playing football again at this point? Because it's an injury at his age that that contraption on his leg is scary enough. But at his yeah. age and what's going on right now, we're talking about them uh, moving on without him for next year. But they could possibly be looking at the fact that he may never touch the field again. I, I have a tough time seeing him play again. Yeah. Uh, I, I do. Um, and, and it's hard to, to say that right now because, look, modern medicine is magnificent. Mm-hmm. It, it's so different from when – Joe Theismann suffered a similar injury. Uh, you know, Joe's leg, uh, his right leg, is like an inch shorter than his other leg. They just right. didn't know how to fix things back then. Um, <laughs> we are a lot further ahead right now. And I know Alex Smith is going to work as hard as anyone to try to come back. But, you, again, you throw in the age, you throw in the mileage, you throw in the, the fact that he's, you know, had everything gone perfectly from day one. And they say, okay, well, maybe he's going to play at some point in 2020. But as we know, there's been five or six surgeries. They've gone back in to take out, scar, you know, uh, take out tissue that was infected. Uh, then there was another infection. Then they had to remove some of the hardware. Then they had to put screws. I mean, there's been so many things. And, um, you know, just in talking to, to medical experts that know a whole lot more about this than me, he's not done with the medical procedures. Mm-hmm. Like, when you see someone with an external fixator on their leg, they still probably have a couple, two, three things that have to happen. More surgeries. They have to go back in there. They might have to do a skin graft because there have been so many surgeries at this point. Um, so, you know, expecting to see Alex Smith on a field again, I think, is an incredible long shot. Uh, but again, all speculation. Medicine is is a, is a, a powerful thing these days. You know, maybe maybe he'll catch some breaks on you know that he didn't catch at the beginning. Um, of, of this ordeal. Um, but I, I would say, as as we're talking right now, I had a tough time seeing Alex Smith on the football field again. Yeah, in terms of moving forward, you mentioned the draft this year. Is it possible that it, 
they may not have to jump up and go quarterback at 15 this year because next year's crop looks to be a little stronger than this one's this particular season, depending on who rises, who drops, who trades up, Haskins and and guys like that. Or you could go, you know, you could draft a guy like Brett Rippon, let's say mid mid rounds, and maybe go with a, a. Teddy Bridgewater or uh, Tyrod Taylor, someone to come in and battle with McCoy, you know, for that for that starting spot. You've got a mid-round guy, but you're not married to somebody in the first round. And then we have a better crop next year with Herbert and uh, Tuga Vailoa and guys like that. You can get that guy in the first round and then maybe use your first round pick on a middle linebacker, safety, corner, offensive guard, you know, some of these other or tight end, some of these other things that you can, that you need on this team right now and kind of get a stopgap and get a better quarterback option next year. I, I, I think that is certainly in play. I, I do think that the Redskins are in a position right now where they they need to find a quarterback with that 15th overall pick if there is someone there that they like. But if you get to 15th, and let's say three or four guys are off the board, mm-hmm. and the next group of players that your quarterbacks that, that, that you've got your eye on, you don't have first round grades on. Don't 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 by no means you know jump up and and really reach for that guy. Um, if you think you can get a potential starter in the third, fourth, fifth round, I mean, it, sure. I, I, there are other needs that need to be addressed, and because of the fact that you're going to be carrying Alex Smith's salary on the books for probably two more years, you're going to need some of those young drafted players to kind of overperform. You're going to need a bunch of those guys. I mean, the Redskins are going to have. About eight picks if you, um, this this year. If you throw in the compensatories, mm-hmm. they're going to have to hit on five or six of those guys, and those guys are going to have to contribute in 2019. If this team is going to have any chance of overcoming what is um, uh, the equivalent of a salary cap penalty, and you know, if you want to even look down the road a little bit, you know, not only is your starting quarterback injured in 34, your backup quarterback Colt McCoy is going to be 33 at some point. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he's not young. So even if let's say, you know, like let's let's, let's you like uh, Chase McSorley, and he's available in the fifth or sixth round. You might not draft him as a as a potential starter, but you might see him as a potential backup down the road. So you know the Redskins are really in the market for a couple of quarterbacks. Um, uh, when you look at this this year's draft and maybe next year's draft, and I, I think that the best scenario in my mind would be to go get a Tyrod Taylor and have him battle with Colt McCoy for the starting job, but also draft your future starter this year if that guy is in this year's draft. And then have that player learn from Tyrod and from Colt and from Alex Smith whenever he gets back into the flow of things and is in the building a bunch. Um, it's It's a good quarterback room. There are a lot of coaches um, in that building that are quarterback centric, including Jay Gruden, of course, was a quarterback. So, you know, there's a lot of learning that can happen for that young player. And then let's say you get six or seven games into the season and you're looking at the practice film and that, that rookie that you drafted is now looks like he's ready for the start. Why wait? Why wait? You know, throw him yeah. in there and uh, get that transition started. I agree. I mean, if it's not Murray. Haskins, I guess maybe Will Greer or Locke in your top three. If they're not there at 15, I'm not pretending. For me, I'm not reaching for Daniel Jones at at, at 15 or someone on the the second tier of those guys, of the quarterbacks. But this year, right now, also – 
offensively, if you beef up that offensive line and keep them healthy and get some durable, some depth, especially at, at left guard, they have a team offensively that can help a transitioning uh, quarterback like a Bridgewater, like a McCoy. Because right. if you bring back Adrian Peterson and now you right. have Geis, Peterson, Thompson all healthy, now you have a stable of running backs that's one to reckon with with anybody in the league. And someone's going to have to stop them first. And then you can try to figure out where does your passing game fit. But if you have three backs like that, they can carry you for a little bit if your offensive line is healthy and you eject some young talent in that maybe starting guard at a left guard at 15 or a center combo something like that and then fill in what you have get some depth in pre-agency uh, which you don't have a lot of cap space at the moment they'll have to restructure someone but a lot of teams don't have three running backs if all are healthy that they can build around. That can help a transitioning quarterback or a rookie quarterback. Yeah, I heard you mention cap space there. I, I wouldn't be too overly concerned about that. Okay. Um, you know, with, with Eric Schaefer, they've got one of the one of the better uh, cap managers in the entire league, and um, he's going to be able to uh, loosen up some money there. Uh, right now, they've got about the, the Redskins have about twenty one million dollars uh, in cap space available. Um, it, that number is probably going to be closer to 40, 45. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to be able to restructure. That's something you never want to do. You don't want to restructure contracts and, and kind of kick the can down the road, if you, uh, so, uh, so right. to speak. Um, that's never something that you want to do. But if you go back and you look at, and, and I did this the other day, if you go back and you look at the way the Redskins handled those cap penalties in 2012 and 2013, that's exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you remember they restructured Santana Moss and right. Barry Cofield and Stephen Bowen and uh, a bunch of guys, Adam Carriker. And, uh, you know, basically you're just turning that money, you know, salary into signing bonuses and you're taking some um, some cap space in exchange. So I, they're going to have room when the league year opens to go sign some players. Um you know, the, the offensive line, you're right. I mean, that's where everything begins on, on offense in the NFL. And, you know, they've got Trent Williams. Um, you know, he's, he's the cornerstone there. Uh, Brandon Sheriff is going to be 100% healthy from what I understand. Um, they're fine at center. But you're right. They've got to go get a left guard, whether it's going to be someone coming off their first contract in free agency who can step in immediately as a starter or they're going to have to spend an early round draft pick on a starter at that position. Sean Laval is not going to be back from what I understand. So mm-hmm. they are going to need to find a starter there and depth at that position. Exactly. They're going to want to address that in free agency. And also in the draft, you might want to use one of your later round picks on – you know, a, a swing tackle or, or a guard who can play both sides. And they get uh, two-thirds, they can do that. Remember, I mean, at one point last year, guys, we were like on their sixth or seventh guard. I mean, yeah. it was ridiculous. I did want to juxtapose all you guys have been talking about as far as on the field, personnel, the quarterback woes, with the feeling that the fans are just not with this team the way they used to be. You know, it used to be the sting of December would be long gone by September, and you're optimistic again. You're ready for that first game at FedEx Field. Tark, any thoughts on whether they've crossed a threshold here? where uh, things are just not that good with the fan base. Yeah. <laughs> In a word, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think you, you had seen the slow and steady erosion of the fan base, um, you know, over the last decade, decade and a half. I think it took a precipitous fall uh, last year. And everyone kind of saw it coming. And, uh, you know, the, the Redskins made some changes to their business staff, and they felt like they were going to be able to rebuild. 
um, you know, fan interest, and it just didn't happen. It didn't materialize. Uh, you know, that first home game, you looked around, you're like, man, this is as empty as FedEx Field has been in a long time. Then you fast forward to that game against the Eagles in the finale, and it was like, whoa, are we in Philadelphia or are we in Washington? What is going on here? I mean, it was it was 80 to 20 in terms of Eagles to Redskins fans. I've never seen that at any level in any sport. Um, it, it, that had to have been a wake-up call for the Redskins. You know, one thing, when I, when I think about rebuilding your, your, your fan base and getting people interested again, you've also got to bring back some an interesting brand of football. Look, Alex Smith got them to a 6-3 and three record, but let's be honest, those games weren't exactly exciting. Right. Um, you know, I, I think they lost they lost some sizzle when Darius Geis went down in the preseason, but that's something else this team has also got to kind of kind of straddle, that kind of fine line between, hey, we want to build a program that could win and have sustained success over a number of years, but somehow this offseason, guys, they've got to find a way to – ignite something, get those fans excited. And, you know, Rob Ryan's not going to do that. They didn't make it. <laughs> I mean, you know, Rob Ryan's going to be a lot of fun. Kyler Murray is a guy that they think can lead this team into the future, and they're confident that he can be a starting quarterback in this league and do what they need to do to win football games. A move like that would certainly ignite some excitement in the fan base. Maybe making a bold move in free agency. Those kinds of bold moves are things that we saw in the early years of Dan Snyder's ownership of the team, and you get some juice back with this team. I mean, you you got the Stanley Cup champions in your backyard. You know, the Nationals have been have been good. Uh, they have a lot. There's a lot of competition right now for for sponsorship dollars and for fan dollars, and they've got to do something to get the people back in the building, get them excited, get them believing this team can win some win some games. And Tark, I think to that to that point, that's why I was kind of surprised. I understand what everybody's saying about this team close, and you want to keep everything status quo, and then you find out Greg Minuski's in those meetings with Todd Bowles and Greg Williams, and that's why I'm kind of surprised that they didn't they that they are you know if because if you look at it now you're right rob ryan's the only thing really you've added to this coaching staff and you promoted kevin o'connell fine but that's uh at ray horton but that's not gonna come august that's not gonna get you to fedex field that's why i'm surprised they didn't do anything now maybe they have something up their sleeve like you said to draft or free agency but i'm i am a little surprised knowing how much that that i can't imagine dan snyder sitting at that fedex field on december 30th looking out there and thinking this is okay you know with those eagles fans so that's why i'm kind of surprised they didn't mix up something uh, you know i it certainly seemed like they had something up their sleeve and maybe it didn't work out um uh, it certainly it certainly appeared from the outside like they were trying to make a big yeah. move and a big hire and it wasn't they weren't able to bring it to fruition and let's be honest guys if you're a name coach defensive coordinator offensive coordinator or a young up-and-coming assistant are you going to hit your wagon to, to yeah. Jay Gruden? No, you're right. No, 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 no. There was some speculation about his job security late in the year. You know, a guy who uh, you know hasn't been to the playoffs now in, in three seasons. I mean, if you're a 27 year old, you know, assistant uh, coach who has designs on the future. You want to go join the staff of someone who you know is going to be around for at least three or four years. You can get comfortable. You can unpack. You can, you know, uh, kind of, you know, sink your teeth into something. You look at the guys they've hired. 
These are guys who've been out of the game for a couple of years. Yeah. Rob Ryan hasn't coached since 2016. Yeah. Ray Horton hasn't coached since 2016. I don't think people were calling them. No. <laughs> they <laughs> right. doors for them to come back to the NFL. So I think that also speaks to kind of where this where this franchise finds itself. It's not a great place right now. I mean, they are gonna. They are. I think they're facing, you know, a rebuild that's going to take a couple of years. Um, I can kind of understand what Jay Gruden was kept. I, I, yeah, I, I think agree. That you know he had the he had the team off to a six and three start before the most important player in the franchise got hurt. Um, things were pointed in the right direction. I mean, if they had won that Houston Texans game, they're going to win the NFC. You need some stability somewhere in your organization, and if you feel like Jay Gruden. Uh, you know, is going to be able to surround himself with some experienced coaches and get it done, then I can kind of understand why he was brought back. What's got me really curious over the next two to three months, guys, is going to be, I think we are going to see Dan Snyder break out the checkbook. I do think they're going to be a little more aggressive at the draft table. So Hmm. I do think we're going to see some, some moves that are going to, you know, raise some eyebrows, maybe inject a little bit of energy back into this uh, franchise. And keep us talking, most importantly. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Quick Super Bowl prediction. Who do you think is going to do it? I'm going to go with the Patriots. I, 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 I can't pick against them. Funny story, guys. Um, as I was heading out the door this morning, my daughter, who just is going to turn 17 on Thursday, said, hey, Dad, do you remember what happened on the day I was born? I was like, I was in Weston Hospital watching the Super Bowl. She goes, it was Patriots Rams. It was Tom Brady's first Super Bowl. Mm. Brady's going to win another one. Perfect <laughs> 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 as well. There you go. Thank you very Thanks, much, Tark. Appreciate, right, it, man. Appreciate it, man. Anytime, guys. Tark El Bashir of the Athletic. There, Jamal. That got your brain moving a little bit. What, what are you thinking well, with these uh, these coaches? Some of these veteran, maybe nobody else wants coaches. If I could put it that way. If I say anything about these hirings. They'll be entertaining. Yeah. With Tom Sula and Rob Ryan in the same room, it really don't have to be nobody else in there but them, and it's entertaining. <laughs> but it, it raises the question, and, and Tariq said it earlier, something needs to be done, interjected into this, and it got me thinking about, and I've dreaded every time I hear about the Redskins and Hard Knocks. I don't want it. I never have for the last couple of years, and they don't. They don't. They've, they've ducked it. But I don't know how much longer they can continue to duck it. And when you bring in, depending on, now the rest of these storylines, if they bring in a, a, a big name quarterback, mm-hmm. let's say they he's talking about splash moves and go get Antonio Brown or something just out of the blue like that, something like that will translating hard knocks and when you have those two we've seen coaches on hard knocks that nobody knew about and, they, and people know these guys like the guy from Cleveland that every time he said hut his his belly would, would jump right right yeah and, and he now, drove that Maserati or something that was really funny he's an icon well, now just Rob Ryan on hard knocks on his, be, on his yeah, own yeah you know but they and, don't want, I mean the thing is they don't want it, it would it be and HBO doesn't want somebody that doesn't but, want but to be they, but what I'm saying is with everything they've seen and not too much they can do to try to get some positive juice flowing yeah. towards the organization have they finally gotten to the point where we might as well just go ahead and do it. What, what do we got to Maybe. lose? I, I, would, I would almost say we can predict a Redskins I mean, hard knocks this what, summer. What do they I have still to think lose? they go John Gruden and the Raiders. 
That's the other yeah. team that has to. You think that, so? eligible. But that almost would be more interesting the year after, wouldn't it? The, it would. uh, the first moved, Vegas? Yeah. When they moved to Vegas. I think that, that I agree with, with like you the on Rams that, moved, When the Rams moved, they did it, right? Jeff yeah. Fisher, Jeff Fisher. Yeah, yeah they did. Yes, Jeff Fisher. Now they're looking back like, damn, we should have waited <laughs> on the right, way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we got Fisher. I didn't want that. But yeah, I think that they're, they're getting to the point, and you know when Dan gets desperate. Is 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 no holes bar. He's mm-hmm. going to do whatever, and if if they feel like that's going to be something to take some of the negative through, especially and let's say Reuben Foster is is clear with the league, mm-hmm. and that is not an issue. That's another thing, yeah. Now, if if that's still a pending issue, then maybe that's a sticking point where they say, okay, we'll do it. But kind of like like they did with uh, this year with Gordon, they're like, okay, yeah. we'll do it, but. Up until this point, leave him out of it because he wasn't in it the whole time, and he was in it in, in spots where they felt comfortable. But that's not an issue. Would it be interesting though with no with the quarterback? I mean, I don't, you know, it's going to be a quarterback battle. I mean, it could be. Yeah, and Geis is coming back. He's entertaining. If Adrian Peterson is back, he, that's huge because Geis brings so much. People who are not on Twitter don't understand how good Geis has mm-hmm. been for this fan base. Right. People that are not on social media don't realize what he does, taking fans to groups of fans to movies, how interactive he is uh, with, with the fan base. Hasn't played a regular season down. Yeah. But people who, and it's, there are fans that are not on social media. I get that. If it wasn't for certain things, I wouldn't be on social media because I was opposed to it. But if you're not on that, you don't understand how much of a fan favorite he is already. Mm-hmm. People that just watch the games, they just know he's not playing. Yeah, he's the guy that got hurt. He got hurt. Yeah. But he brings so much more. So him being in front of that camera also gives another face to this team. Because he's, he's, he's going to be endearing to everybody. And especially when people learn his story going back before the draft and how we got to LSU and all of that is going to endear them even more. And that could be a prime story to put on because you got to put a good face on this franchise somewhere. Right. Well, they got to generate excitement. Let's uh, move to uh, the Skins' rivals. The Cowboys are unlikely to extend the head coach's uh, contract, Jason Garrett's contract going into the final year. Is, is he on some kind of hot seat now? I think, George, I think he's officially now on the hot seat. I didn't think it would come because I, that's Jerry's boy. What's the hot seat, though? What's the hot seat? Well, it's a, like a little warmer when you sit down. I each know time. what it is. <laughs> no, no, I, I just think like, is it like no, you want Jerry to Jones? The, the fact like that Jerry they Jones is hot seat. The well, fact, that's what I'm saying. The it's fact that they you. didn't extend him, yeah, makes me think that seat's a little hotter than usually. His, his seat is 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 ice cold. Uh, maybe you would think it's it's room temperature, lukewarm. <laughs> yeah. But I think the fact that Jerry did not extend him, and Jerry has been the one that has been his main proponent of we're sticking with Garrett, and the fact that he's not getting an extension going into his final year, it's a little hot. He's yeah. about 70, 75. It's springtime. Okay. So you're not saying that. a slow start, He's done. he could be done? I think if, if they get onto a slow start, you know, two, three wins, even something like that halfway through, some rumblings will really start to happen if he goes back to the playoffs he's going to get the benefit of the doubt which i think he probably thought would buy him at least 
a minimum of two year extension, something like a, a, a Gruden, Gruden extension, mm-hmm. something like that. Not necessarily nothing long term, but what he did this year, he probably. Oh, think, I thought if he had lost the first game, there was a chance he was fired. I said it right. on this uh, very uh, program you guys got here. <laughs> but <laughs> but no, I, I think that if, if he gets on to a slow start, there's there is. A concern that he would probably be gone, but the problem with that is Jerry has to find. I don't know who is on his staff. Maybe the defensive coordinator, uh, who was a very hot name uh, for a second this offseason for head coaching go- job. Maybe Jerry is thinking, okay, maybe I already have an in-house candidate. So if he doesn't do what I want him to do, I can promote this guy from within. Because a lot of people, yes, you have the stars, Jerry Jones, but Jerry Jones is Al Davis 2.0. And not every coach needs to wants to be micromanaged and handled like that. Because what is what do they call Jason Garrett? He's a clapper. Clapper. Do you, do you <laughs> yes. see him with a, with, he did it in the Pro Bowl. Do you see him calling plays? Do you see him with a clip? At least I see Jay with a clipboard. Yeah. He's doing something. If your coach is empty-handed, has no play, play sheet, he's not talking to anybody in the headphones, he's, he's the, the highest-paid cheerleader on the field. You're not going to find every every coach is not going to go for that with the owner that hands on a losing record. I think he could be gone. Okay, I'm I, I'm with you. I thought, like I said, I thought it would happen this year, so that's why I'm. Finally. I didn't have it happening this year. I, I thought he would he would he would slide past, and I thought they would they would even offer him just even a minimal extension one year extension just because I just don't see I didn't see him really going anywhere, and I was a little surprised that they did not extend him at all. Yeah. So that's led me to believe that okay, well maybe his seat's a little hotter. You know, Jerry, you know, wants to win before he checks out of here. I don't know. Our esteemed guest, Tark El Bashir, had the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Do you guys also have the I Patriots? Do, I, I do have the Patriots. I have them 27 24. I don't think Brady loses two straight Super Bowls. I think it's going to be a little. I think it's going to be a good game. Yeah, I think so. I think it'd be I competitive. Think, I think, think it would be a good chess match between these two. With, I think you could exactly. see McVay. I think you could see maybe McVay in a fourth quarter timeout, mistake, clock management, or something. Who knows? You know, I don't I, think it's going to be McVay. I think it's going to come cause, because it could gonna, be golf. That's what I think it's going to yeah. be because you can have you can have the comparison between Belichick and McVay, and I can see them matching with the entire game. Jared Goff is not a young Tom Brady because you can say that McVay and the way he handles things, calls plays, and how methodical he is. He's a young Belichick in that way. Mm-hmm. You can't. Golf is never going to be a Tom Brady, not even close. Yeah. So I think it'll come down to that because you have a team that came back from a twenty-point deficit to win a Super Bowl against Atlanta. Mm-hmm. They've done it before, even. And I think it, I think the Rams will jump up early because they are young, they are hungry. The Patriots that we saw against Atlanta, sometimes they tend to be slow starters. One thing I saw looking back at some of the other, the common theme I was reading, that Brady was flustered and sacked in the Super Bowls they've lost a number of times. Last year was the strip sack. The right. This postseason, he hasn't been touched. Chargers, I read this, Chargers and Chiefs combined for 90 sacks in the regular season. They didn't get to Brady once this postseason. Mm. But the, so, the Chiefs are not, once again, the Chiefs are not the greatest defense I'm in the world. I'm just reading your numbers. I understand. I get that. And I think that they are going to, the, the, the problem is always anybody that plays the Rams, first and foremost, Aaron Donald. You have to keep Aaron Donald off of Tom Brady's ass. Yep. And then you have Brockers and, and Sue up there with him. That's no easy task. Give Belichick enough time to game plan against anybody, he'll find something. I think Belichick's going to make Goff beat him. And he won't be he's going to he's going to have to. And he won't be able to do it. Because McVay has said that and we we talked about this earlier how the the lack of touches for Gurley 
because we mm-hmm. wondered, is he hurt? What's going Because C.J. Anderson outsnapped him a lot in these last couple games. McVay made a point this week and said Gurley will be a big part of this game. Mm-hmm. So I think he will make his impact. But I agree with you the fact that when it comes down to it in the fourth quarter, Belichick is going to, okay, I'm taking Gurley I'm taking out, of out of this. Yep. Now, golf, do what you do. Because so have, I, I know what my guy is going to do. Right. So we have the Patriots. Dimitri, what do you have? Um, do you I was just going to ask Jamal about his score. Oh, all right. Final 34-31 Patriots. Patriots. And I've got 37-31 Rams. All right. Oh. All right. I'm not sure how they're going to do it, though. <laughs> I just got to. <laughs> I mean, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise uh, me. Yeah. But like Tarek said, it's so hard to go against the Patriots when they get into the situation. Because they didn't come into this game like they come into other Super Bowls with a dominant regular season. Mm-hmm. And you knew that they were just the hands-down favorite. To get to the Super Bowl, they had a lot of bumpy roads and hit a lot of, of, of peaks and valleys through this season. But when they got to the postseason, all that went out the door. Yeah, I'm not betting against Brady until I, no. you know, until I, I, I learned I my can't. lesson early in the play right. postseason. And I don't think they lose two Super Bowls in a row. So I'm going no, with them. No, as well. I really don't. As the uh, council chairman might say, any unfinished business? Bryce Harper meeting with with the Padres. Anything to that? Who knows. I'm so over all this. <laughs> Who knows? It just just make a damn decision just already, make right? Make a decision. You know, if he train. goes over there, I don't. You know what? I don't care if you go to the Padres. I don't care if you have gone. If he would have gone to the Yankees, uh, the Dodgers, the Cubs, didn't make that doesn't make a difference. But if you stay in the division, now we got a problem. I agree with that. Now we got a problem. Go somewhere. That's fine. And maybe you know the market's just not. They've they've. You know, it's it's just kind of it's baffling the fact that these, you know, maybe the market's not what everybody thought. Everybody thought that this this postseason or this free agent period, yes, others have been slow, but with Machado and Harper this with those year, two names, you were going right. to see everybody jump on it, but they haven't, and that's just the way. And a lot of people, you know, when you have a lot of teams connected with with two big time players like this, a lot of teams are bluffing, mm-hmm. and then it whittles down to a number. And it's only maybe a two, three horse race. But then all of a sudden, now here's a dark horse with the Padres. The only problem with them, the Padres are not known to spend a well, lot of and money. They're not going to win now. I mean, they're not. Know. And I don't think they're looking like for a long term deal. They're not going to win now. Right. It's, it's and Bryce, Bryce wants a long term deal. Yeah. I mean, but if I'm Bryce and I'm looking at these other that's great. To come back in the division, looking at what Rizzo has done this offseason, and they've done a hell of a job putting the team together without him. And they'll be fine whether he comes back or not. Oh, I still if they I'm, can still be the favorite to win the division I, with that. Yeah. So I'm looking at if I'm Bryce. Yeah, Philly is, is is up and coming. And it's it's I might want to go there. And it's in the division. I can play against my old team, but if I I see what my old team is doing. And if I put myself back in that roster, maybe this is the, maybe I, this is my OB season. Maybe I break through when we get to the World Series, which is his ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. Maybe this, and he comes back to this roster, which is his OV roster, and he can finally get a ring. I'm still saying he's coming back until he proves me wrong. And he can I, prove I, me I wrong. agree with you. I'm I don't. Just, I don't think. I think the longer it goes, he comes back. But then again, who knows? The Nats could say, you know what? And it's usually, and they could, they could flip it. Yeah, because they've done enough to have a very good team with or without him. But at the same time, I agree with you. Usually, when it goes this long. Players usually go back to the original team, especially it's not like they're lowballing him. Correct. They've given him a, a more than fair offer, generous, and 
from the 300 they added to that. So it's not like he's coming back to a low money offer. Mm-hmm. He'll come back and still get plenty of paper. That's not the issue. But I think either way, They'll be competitive without him. But I agree with you. I, I think ultimately he comes back. Well, I'm hoping he does. The one thing nobody predicted is that Machado and Harper would still be in limbo and we're just a couple weeks away from yep. pitchers yeah. and catchers yep. reporting. And as low as Machado's, that really, and you know, in baseball, you really have to be on your P's and Q's because these unspoken rules in terms of his comments about hustling, I think that really, really hurt no his question. market. No question. You know, and and for someone that we thought would be up there with Bryce with three hundred, four hundred million dollar offers, yep. And you're looking at what did the White Sox one one seventy one twenty five one seventy five one seventy five yeah. Wow, you got to you got to watch yourself in baseball. They don't, they don't they don't play that we'll, hot we'll, dog. We'll be in a new studio next week, right? New studio, new Super Bowl will be behind us. Yeah, and maybe we'll have a Harper signing and <laughs> new studio kick off the new studio. I'm looking forward to it. This has been fun, though, in this place. Yeah. I'm going to miss this place. We're not going to... What is... I don't know what the other one looks like. It. So it'll oh, be oh, it's Next week will be my first time oh, yeah, it's going something. into... It's like, from what everyone's saying, I, I'll be it's like I'm walking into Jerry's world for spaceship. the first time. Right. It's a spaceship. It's like, it, this. it'll be like going from uh, RFK into... Jerry world. Know, Jerry world, I guess. <laughs> yeah. We'll see, I mean, we'll I, I'm gonna miss this little. We have a nice little quaint studio, enough space. But when we have certain, we have multiple guests in at the same time. Uh, it gets a little cozy, and people got to share mics and chairs and standing spaces. We'll but put I'm, them in I'm, our I'm, new performance studio. There you go. Have like 20 I'm, people in a row if, if needed. I'm excited about it. All right. The DMV Sports Roundtable is on Apple Podcasts, the Podcast One app, podcastone.com, and WTOP's mobile app. Just tap listen. For Jamal and George, I'm Dimitri. And for Skins fans, large and small, all around the world, may God help us.